this morning. Amen. Isn't he wonderful? And we welcome each and every one to the service this morning. We just welcome you and just pray that you'll just join with us. Amen. And we'll just give God the glory he deserves this morning. Man, do you want to do that this morning? Are you with me? Amen. Hallelujah. Let's sing a couple songs. Man, just dwell in a mode of worship for a while and just let the Holy Spirit deal with your heart. Amen. I have that song on my heart, Key of F. I think I stand in awe of you. You are beautiful beyond description, too marvelous for words, too wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen. Fathom the depths of your love. You are beautiful beyond 
Jesus, your name is here. Oh, Jesus, your name gives time. Jesus, your name will free every captive. Jesus, your name is light. His name's holy now. Oh, Jesus, your name is holy. Your holy Father. Oh, Jesus, your name brings life. And Jesus, your name is above every other. Jesus, your name is life. From the top. Oh, Jesus, your name is power. Yes, it is. Jesus, your name is mine. Jesus, your name will break every stronghold. And Jesus, your name is life. It's healing now. Oh, Jesus, your name is healing. Jesus, your name gives out. Oh, Jesus, your name, it will free every captive. Oh, Jesus, your name is life in your holy. Oh, Jesus, your name is holy. Jesus, your name. Oh, Jesus, your name. Above every other. Jesus, your name is life. Amen. Could we put our hands together for our Jesus Christ this morning? Amen. What a lovely, lovely name, the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. We're not going to take up too much time. I have several specials, man, and we just want to give ample time for the word, amen, and make time for these uh, special songs. So we're going to change order of our service at this time and take our special needs. And I have many, amen, to bring. So we just want to take these, amen, amen, and bring these to the Lord. Amen. I have a prayer request here uh, to remember Sister Cindy. In prayer. She's uh, dealing with a chest cold. Amen. I have a prayer request for Sister Kim Ward, who's not with us. She's not feeling well. If you'd remember her in prayer. Amen. I also ask that you'd remember Brother Tim Ashlong in prayer. He is uh, recovering from his ordeal. And uh, we want to remember Sister Shirley Lingo in prayer. She's also recovering. Or Sister Shirley Buchanan, if you will. Uh, my apologies. Uh, she's recovering. If you would remember her in prayer, <clears throat> have a need here for uh, Brother Brian McCall. Man, he is uh, going through preparations for testing in uh, a procedure that he has to go through. If you would keep that special need in your prayers, uh, Brother Keith is requesting prayer. He is not with us at this time. 
have uh, several families not with us. Uh, the Cockman family is not with us today. I don't see any of them here, so uh, I think they have some events that they're attending. If you remember them in prayer, um, the Johnson family is in Texas. Brother Chris Clayville also is in Texas, if you remember them. Uh, also a very special need for Sister Tracy Eisenhower, and she is going through a really rough time right now. If you would just hold her up in your prayers for a very special need, amen. That's all I have at this time. By the uplifted hands, do you have anything on your heart, amen, that you want to make known to the Lord? Let's pray. Keep those needs in your heart. Brother Andy Irish, if you make your way forward to take these needs to the Lord for us, amen. Precious Lord Jesus, we bow our heads this morning, Lord, and we look to the cross. We look to the Lord of the universe who was nailed to a tree because of our sins. He did it out of love, Lord. Father, we look there this morning and we just ask, Father, that you would forgive us, Lord, for anything that we have done wrong. Because we believe that you've forgiven us, Lord Jesus. We believe that if we confess our faults, you will forgive us. And so we want to approach you, Lord, clean and holy because of that blood and because of you. And so, Father, as I lay my hand on these prayer requests, let it represent your hand, Father. And I ask this morning, Lord Jesus, that you would give the faith to those individuals that are on this piece of paper. Let them rise to that place, Father, where they can grab what they have need of in the Word of God by faith, because it says that in the Word, Lord. Whatever it is, Lord, if it's healing, if it's deliverance, if it's just a closer walk, It's just more love, Father. Whatever it is that we have need of, those of us that raised our hands, Father, may you answer that prayer, Lord. And may you make it clear to those individuals, Father. And Lord, I ask, Father, that you would come this morning. Because if you don't come this morning, this gathering will be vain. So we ask humbly, Lord Jesus, that you would come today, Father. Come in a special way and speak to every heart, speak to every situation. If there be a branch in any of us that bears no fruit, may you remove it, Lord. And we'll give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Thank you, Brother Andy. You may have your seats. Man, let's just sing a little song before we, uh, and as we're singing this, if the children's choir, we have a special for them, if they would be getting ready in Christ alone, key of G, please. In Christ alone will I glory, though I could pride myself in battles won. For I've been blessed beyond measure 
And by His strength alone I overcome Oh, I could stop and count successes Like diamonds in my hands But those trophies could not equal To the grace by which I stand In Christ alone I place my trust And find my glory in the power of the cross In every victory let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope, is Christ alone. In Christ alone do I glory, for only by His grace I am For only His tender mercy Could reach beyond my weakness to my need And now I seek no greater honor Than just to know Him more And to count my gains but losses To the glory of my Lord In Christ alone I placed my trust And find my glory in the power of the cross In every victory Let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope is Christ
He's a good, good father to us, amen, watching out for us in so many ways, gives us so many blessings, hallelujah, amen. We're going to have Sister Anna uh, Pritchard as well, she also had a special this morning, so um, as she's making her way to the front, amen, we'll just sing a little song there, amen. The power of your love, amen. Lord, I come to you and let my heart be changed and renewed, flowing from the grace that I found in And Lord, I've come to know the weaknesses I see in me will be stripped away by the power of your love. Oh, your love surround me oh breathe be near 
me to your side And as I wait I'll rise up like the eagle And I will soar with you Your spirit leads me on And the power of your love Oh Lord, unveil my eyes And let me see you face to face The knowledge of your love as you
Thank you, Sister Anna. Brother Matt has a special for us this morning. And just as he's getting prepared there, a couple of announcements. Amen. We want to uh, be aware there's no church uh, this coming Wednesday. Um, Also, for those of you who will be entering the cookie exchange, there is a sign-up sheet in the library. So if you would like to uh, be a participant in that, if you'll just get signed up there so that they can... Uh, be aware of who all will be entering that. Amen. Brother Matt. I'm sure you all know this. 
sing it along with me. To me, this is one of the most beautiful songs, both musically and lyrically, that was ever written.
dispels my guilt and fear no other name but Jesus oh how my soul delights to hear the songs. Amen. Brother Matt's famous for, <laughs> we appreciate Brother Matt and appreciate all of our talent God's placed in our church. Amen. It's lovely, isn't it? And it's such a blessing. And I feel that everyone's at peace in their spirit. Amen. Isn't, isn't that just a lovely feeling, man, when the Holy Spirit has just pushed away everything that's been troubling? Amen. Let's just stand this morning. I believe it's time for the word. Amen. It's time for that seed to be placed in the soil. Amen. We'll have our deacons come forward at this time. We'll take up our morning offering and we'll sing that song, Have Your Way, as our pastor makes his way here. Amen. Brother Mike, if you'll lead us in prayer.
this opportunity we have to be able to come into your house once more. Lord, we do not know how long we'll be able to gather like this, Lord, in this place with the world events the way they are and things happening, Lord, in our world. But Lord, we want to take advantage of every meeting and every gathering, Lord, and every time you assemble your people that you might speak to our hearts. And Lord, we know today that You're a God who cares about everything that we go through. And the very best thing we can do, Lord, today is to take our burdens and our cares and our sicknesses and our questions and lay them at your feet today. And ask, oh God, that you would move sovereignly in each case and in each individual heart. Father, we love you. Father, we pray that you would forgive us of anything that may be contrary or hinder the moving of the Holy Spirit today. And Lord, have free course among us. We thank you that we are called one of yours. We're thankful, Lord Jesus, that we are saved. We're thankful, Lord, that we live in a bride age where what's happening, Lord, is for the going home of the bride. How we love you today, Lord, with all of our hearts. Speak to us now today. Comfort every heart. Bring healing to those who need it. We'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. And amen. Praise the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. Let's take your Bibles, if you will, and let's go right to the Word of the Lord, Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start there this morning. Philippians, the fourth chapter, and I'm just going to get right into it this morning. Brother Jaron took care of most of our uh, business up front, and uh, we'd like to just get right into it this morning and see uh, what the Lord would have for us today. I want to remember the parks as well. They're not back yet from their uh, trip, and they'll be back, I believe, uh, sometime later this week. We're going to the book of Philippians chapter 4, and uh, I've just been really um, um, drawn into the book of Philippians, and there's so many wonderful things that are here, and uh, this is just a little portion we want to take a text from, and then we'll come back to it in a moment. Let your moderation, verse 5, Philippians 4, 5, let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. How many can say amen? amen. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through 
Christ Jesus. May God add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. I want to say in the outset here that I really appreciate the response that uh, I received from you on Wednesday or after Wednesday night service. And, uh, and I'm not necessarily referring to the compliments that were given, but more to the, uh, the essence of what you were saying about, uh, how that, uh, the message was timely. And we were talking about the subject of anxiety. And, uh, I'd like to continue on that this morning. But here's what I would like to do. I would like to talk about this from a solution, uh, base. In other words, I want to, I didn't get to this on Wednesday night. We talked a little bit about the, uh, the issue, and uh, today I want to deal with some solutions that we can put in place. All of these solutions are biblical, and I think you'll recognize them uh, f- uh, easily. And uh, so that's where I want to uh, take it this morning, and uh, Lord willing, we'll uh, just trust that the Lord will uh, speak to uh, individuals and uh, deal with us according to his mercies, and uh, we'll just uh, trust that uh, he will uh, minister to, to someone here today. I believe there's, uh, I believe there's a need to uh, discuss uh, s- uh, situations like this and circumstances like this, and uh, so we'll just uh, lean upon him this morning, if that's all right. Everybody okay? All right, so you just need to relax, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll work our way through uh, the very first part of this, and I just want to preamble just a little bit, and then we want to look at what we can do. Now, Brother Manum tells us, uh, he says in 1958, Watchman, what of the night? There's none of us that's immune from troubles. Your new birth does not exempt you from trouble. Your new birth, rather, makes sure, uh, assures you of the fact that God is on the inside, and he's a defender, he's a healer, he's a deliverer, and he's one that's able to see us through every circumstance uh, that we could ever face. How many would agree? And it's amazing what faith can do. Faith in God, faith in his presence, and faith in his promises. It's amazing what that will do. And we also know, as Brother Branham says, that God has not promised to excuse us from all sickness, but it is written that his strength is sufficient. And he will never put so much upon us, but what he will give us grace to bear. So we have that consolation of knowing that. We have that consolation of knowing that uh, God never gives us too much. He comes close to the edge sometimes, but he never gives us... Too much so that we cannot bear it. Now, if you don't mind, I'd like to quote a couple of uh, statements that were given to me after Wednesday night. And I do all of this by permission here this morning. These are edited. And who said it doesn't matter. Uh, But I wanted to to repeat these here for you just because uh, I thought they were pertinent. Uh, Thank you, Brother Barry, someone said, for braving the criticism and speaking on these topics. And, Brother Barry, enjoyed the sermon last night. Thank you for caring for the sheep and not listening to people trying to stop you. With people in my family battling anxiety, it's such a help to be ministered to. And I think anxiety is a true epidemic of this age. It's a strange and intriguing subject of which the world has little understanding of to offer. Thank you again for your faithful pastoring. And I appreciated these comments because uh, it, it, it said to me, and this is just a, a little, uh, this is just three uh, out of many, but it, it said to me that, uh, you know, it's, it's a right time to address certain subjects. And that's always very comforting for a pastor. And someone else said, really appreciated the service last night. It was so needed and such a blessing uh, yesterday because of things that uh, this person was going through or news that they heard. 
And so uh, it's, it's, it is a fact that every one of us experience this in life. That's for sure. Every one of us experience some anxiety in life. Now, someone here also sent me an article, and I want to quote just a little bit from this article, because there's a couple of really interesting things in here. And uh, this was a, a, a secular article that I believe was in the Washington Post and then uh, re-put out by, by MSNBC, and the link is on the, uh, on the bottom there. And this doctor uh, made this comment. Now, this is a, a secular therapist, and they sit, made this statement. Uh, this doctor doesn't know any other therapists in Tucson who are making new appointments, and many aren't even picking up their phone, she told the Post, the Washington Post, because they're so busy meeting with their patients. They don't even answer the phone. And I'm turning a lot away, uh, turning away a lot of people now. <clears throat> I'm turning a lot of people away, <clears throat> and it's heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking. And what I'm seeing more than anything is people who want to connect, people who feel alone, and people who feel really lost. That's what people are saying out in the, in the field out there. These are professionals in the field. Not even answering the phone because there's not enough hours in a day to meet the demands of all the people. Now, <clears throat> roughly 7 in 10 public schools are reporting a rise in students seeking mental health services since the start of the pandemic, according to federal data <coughs> Excuse me, released in May. And Congress has allocated hundreds of millions of dollars to fund and hire staffers for mental health support at schools across the country. Now think about that second paragraph. And Congress has allocated hundreds of millions of dollars. Our government has recognized that this is a, I mean, this is of crisis uh, proportions here uh, because they're allocating hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, for the needs that are uh, that are represented here, I mean that's that's ab- to me that's absolutely amazing that uh, they would be uh, putting that much resource, that much effort into uh, trying to counter this because it's it's really messed up, right? There there are the whole system there now. But I want to say this: that uh, when you talk about allocating hundreds of millions of dollars, what are you going to do with that? And, and it says here that they're going to hire more staffers here. Let me tell you, I had somebody else who, I sent this article to someone else, and they sent back a comment and said, this is just amazing because really these new staffers are replacing what a lot of parents should be doing. That's where the system is out of balance. So a lot of these, a lot of these parents will actually bring their young people to a therapist today, and I'm not talking about you and I'm not talking about believers here, but there's a lot of parents who will take their kids to a therapist and say, hey, they don't talk to me, they don't communicate, after all, they're teenagers, so let's see if you can straighten it out. And they'll drop their kids off at the therapist, but here's the ironic thing, is that these people are saying, the kids want to go, they want to be there. They, they, they used to be, uh, have, you know, they used to have to bring them kicking and screaming in order to get them into the door to see a doctor. Now they want to go because they're fighting with the stresses of this life and especially the Gen Z group. Uh, they're the 13 to 24 group, I think it is. Uh, kids that are cutting themselves, kids that are harming themselves, and they're wanting to have answers. They're wanting to have solutions. Aren't you glad for an absolute in this last day? Aren't you glad for a prophet? Aren't you glad for a God who cares about what we go through? And this is the voice of people in the world now. The government's solution is hire more staffers and more therapists because parents don't want the job. 
Many parents don't have a relationship with their children. And so therefore, we got to have somebody. And the only way to do it is to hire more of these therapists. And I'm not saying that the therapists are bad or anything else. But when you, when you uh, start to realize what the breakdown of the family has caused, you're looking at the, uh, the fruits of all of that. In, in uh, year after year after year, things are, are, are less uh, strong in terms of family and uh, the right kind of relationships. I've always believed this, that the younger you can create a good relationship with your children, the better off you'll be. And the better off they'll be. Because there'll come a time when they'll get older and they'll need to have that strong relationship as they go through things. And that's the way God intended it to be. That's the way God intended it to be. God did not intend for the government to have to, uh, you know, spend all these resources here to hire staffers that are doing what the parents really should be doing. Now, there are times when the parents need help and they need to go beyond outside the family. I certainly understand that. But this is where uh, this is where we've come to, and this is what they were reporting. Last screen, higher proportions of Americans between 13 and 24, and that's the Gen Z uh, age group here. They say the pandemic, pandemic has made education, career goals, social lives much more difficult. And the young women that I'm seeing, I'm just blown away with the anxiety. It's this physical manifestation of anxiety, which I hadn't seen to this extent before. And so this is what the, the professionals are noticing uh, in the communities there, that uh, especially people in this age group here are now all of a sudden really manifesting uh, real, uh, real serious issues with nervousness and anxiety and so forth and looking for solutions. Now, <coughs> excuse me, I'll have more to say about that group a little bit later on. <coughs> but I just want you to stay with me here now as we work through this quickly. Brother Bram tells us that in this world, Something that we already really should know, and that is, in this world, it's never going to be a peaceful place, and everything is not going to all of a sudden balance itself out. That's called a millennium, right? And so, therefore, God doesn't want us to become customized to this world. He wants you to rest in him and come to him that you might have peace. How many know that he's the prince of peace? He surely is. Now, I read this scripture on Wednesday night, and I really like it because I think David summarizes it well. He doesn't only summarize it and state it well here, but in other places as well. In Psalm 42, he said, Oh my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and from the hill Mizar. That word, uh, that word, uh, cast down within me, that phrase there is a very strong Hebrew word, terazo, which means to be shaken and troubled, agitated, distressed, and acutely agitated mentally, spiritually, in every way. And this is the, that's the scope of the Hebrew word there. And David says, uh, this is, this is the way I feel. This is the way I'm coming to God. And he's doing the right thing in coming to God, but he says an interesting thing here in that, uh, he says, I remember, he says, I remember from the land of Jordan. And I remember how uh, that the prophet Moses, as he led the children of Israel, they were outside of the land here, in the land of Jordan, and the Hermonites, and the hill Mizar. That, those are places outside of the boundary of the promised land. But he said, you still looked after your children. You still cared for them. And if God, our God, can look after people outside the boundary, my goodness, we should be able to depend on him inside the boundary. 
And we are believers and we are Christians. And I know that some people here uh, struggle with different things. And in a congregation of this size and the people that are listening today, uh, we know that there's all, you know, there's a variety of issues that people deal with. And I feel like, uh, you know, with your comments and so forth on Wednesday night, you're giving me permission to talk freely. Is it all right to talk freely today? David said, the deep calleth unto the deep at the noise of thy water spouts, and all thy waves and billows are gone over me. And yet the Lord will command his, his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song will be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life, I will say unto God, you are my rock, and why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Why would I be thinking that when I know that you're the God who looks after, uh, looks after me just like you looked after the children of Israel when they were close and when they were far, when they were within and when they were without, when the circumstances were good and when they were not good? You are there for your people. I believe you're the same God. And David says, why go I mourning then because of the oppression of the enemy? And so he's asking that question because he knows the answer at heart. He knows the answer that uh, God is with him and God is uh, mindful of him. And God has inclined his ear, his ear to him. And David essentially knows that. He knows that with all of his heart. But yet there are things in life that cause us to feel overwhelmed at times. There are things that happen to us in life that cause us to feel overwhelmed. And Brother Branham said sometimes we have more troubles when we become Christians than when we did when we were sinners. That's really true, because many are the afflictions of the righteous. And God promised those things. And uh, there are things that we think logically, especially when we look at someone like Brother Branham and his ministry and how fluid everything was and how perfectly, seemingly, everything went and how, uh, you know, how uh, he had such, such, such success and how he had so many victories over problems that people had. And we look at it and we say, my goodness, I can't even get my kids to clean up their room. And I, you know, I can't seem to get past these thoughts. And I have this nagging feeling that uh, I've done something wrong or said something wrong and I can't shake it. And there are times when we get frustrated at that because we can't seem to get beyond that. Can't seem to get beyond that place. And uh, I want to uh, I want to deal with that this morning here. And I will tell you this, that uh, if we were if we were a group of people that the devil did not attack if we were a group of people that the devil didn't bother with, we'd probably be in the wrong group. But because of who we are and because of where we're headed and because we're almost there, the devil fights harder and harder all the time. So it's important for us to rehearse some of these principles as we, uh, as we move forward into, into the last days of time. Again, here's Brother Branham in 1963 in the breach. And he says, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. Oh my, oh my. He said, we understand this will take place in the first resurrection. And nature is groaning. We are groaning. Everything is groaning because we realize something's not right. We realize, we know something's not right. This is not the way that God intended us to live. This is not the way that, uh, you know, people suffering and all the uh, different maladies that are there and all the different viruses and all the different complexities of life and all the different threats that are in our world today. That's not, that's not the way uh, God intended for us to live. How many would agree? God did not intend for us to live in constant fear. He didn't intend for us to live in bondage to anything. He, in, he wanted us to live in a way that we could just be subject to him. 
And let him lead us and let him guide us. He wanted us uh, to be stewards over the earth and have mastery over the things around us. But instead, a lot of times we're uh, looking for an out. We're looking for an escape. We're looking for some way to get away from uh, where we are. A lot of people experience that. And Brother Bam said, it's because we're all groaning. He said, everything around us is groaning, trying to get back to where it should be. And he says, and the only way we can really groan for it and groan for the right thing is that because we have new life in us that speaks of another world. So let me tell you, there are people in the world that groan for a perfect relationship, and so they get married, they leave that marriage and go to another one, they leave that marriage and go to another one, and they're looking for a perfect solution. And let me tell you something, they ain't going to find it. Just like somebody who wants to find a perfect church and leaves every church in order to find it, you will really never do that, because when you show up, the church becomes less than perfect. Right? So therefore, therefore, we had to put our lot together and realize this, that while we are on this earth, there is no perfect existence or no perfect group or no perfect person, right? Come on, folks, if you don't believe that, look in the mirror. And then if you still believe it after you look in the mirror, come and see me and I'll tell you what I see. But anyway, regardless of that, let me say this. I believe, saints of God, that the only way that we really have the right dis, uh, disinterest in this world and the right desire to lead this world is because God has placed something of another world in us that longs for that place. There's lots of people looking for another uh, another place on this earth. I'm not looking for another place on this earth. I'm looking for a place out of this earth. I'm looking for another kingdom. <clears throat> and God put a little something of that kingdom in all of us believers. And that that uh, that's stirring, I believe. That's calling. That's that's moving. That's in motion to get us uh, pointed towards that kingdom. And that's what that's what God's actually doing in our lives. I believe He's stirring us. I believe He's He's uh, working things around so that uh, we have a we have a groaning that becomes vocal. We have a vocal uh, a desire to say, even so, Lord Jesus, come to get us from here to there, because there's not many things left in this life to live for. Now, again. Sorry for the little bits of review here, but this is what David said in Psalm 55. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. That burden, in the Hebrew there, it means lot. The thing that's assigned. Cast the thing that's been assigned to you upon the Lord. And no matter how stressful life becomes, make sure you cast it before the Lord. Give it to him again and say, Lord, this is what you called me to do. Let me tell you something. Pastoring is not an easy job. Ministering today is not an easy job. And if somebody wants to be a pastor, somebody wants to be a minister, uh, you know, they really better think and better pray about that. There's no more wonderful thing you could be in life, but it's not always the easiest thing to do. And I find myself over and over again casting it before the Lord. And, and the Bible says that when we do that, he will sustain thee and he'll never suffer the righteous to be moved. If you're in the medical field, the best thing you can do is cast your lot before the Lord. If you're a teacher, cast your lot before the Lord. If you're a young person today and, and you're, you're uh, you know, moving out of high school and moving into the world, you better cast your lot before the Lord. Where, whatever you are, if you're a single person, uh, you know, and you're, you're, you know, all of your friends are doing different things, you should cast your lot before the Lord. This is where you have me. This is the thing that I'm assigned right now. This is the thing I'm doing right now. This, this is where I'm standing right now. And the best thing I can do, Lord, as frustrating as it is, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to place it at your feet. And that's what uh, David uh, prays here. And he says, he shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. P- 
Peter comes along in 1 Peter chapter 5 and says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care and your anxiety upon him, for he careth for you. And that word care there literally means anxiety in the Greek. And and, uh, Peter is, is telling us the same thing that David is doing, to cast all of it, to cast all of your care. Say it with me, casting all your care upon him. Because he cares for you. And he'll not suffer the righteous to be moved. There is, I believe this, there is a real power of the Holy Spirit that delivers the sufferer from his suffering. If you're suffering today, there is a real Holy Spirit that that is able to deliver you from where you are to where God wants you to be. If you have a sickness, there is a real healer this morning that is able to heal you and bring you back to the place that you belong. I believe that saints of God, uh, that there is a, uh, there's a real Holy Spirit that one day will actually change our bodies and bring us into the kingdom that we belong. There is a place of peace that the Prince of Peace can bring you to today. It's not a figment of our imagination, it's a real thing. Now I was trying to get Brother David here because, uh, uh, uh David is, knows where everything is in, in our town. And if I need to know where something is, I always call Brother David. And he, I was trying to get, uh, one of those, uh, punching bags that is an inflatable one that, uh, when you hit it, it comes back up. You ever, you know what, the, you've seen those, right? And, uh, I, I really wanted to have one, uh, today, but the only one we could find was a Santa one, and I thought that probably wouldn't go over so well. <clears throat> but you know how it is when you inflate that thing and, and have it stand up. You can hit it, and you can hit it really hard and walk away and feel like you're done. And you look back, and whoa, there it is again. And then you hit it again, hit it a couple of times, and you knock it flat. And you start to walk away, and you realize, wow, there it is again. And it just keeps popping back up. Now, for some people, life is like hitting that crazy thing. And all of a sudden, they turn around, and they feel like, oh, I got the victory over that. And uh, it's been a great service, and I, uh, you know, I, I feel like I learned something, and I knocked that thing in the head and come back, whoa, it's there again. And I will tell you something that <clears throat> if you're waking up every night thinking about the same thing, or dreaming about the same thing, and you got it all sorted out in your head, and you got it all worked out in your head, and uh, I said this, and he said that, and they said this, and something else, and this is the way it should be, you knock that in the head. <clears throat> go to go to sleep, uh, and then the next day, uh, next night, you you wake up thinking about the same thing. There it is again, and then you go to next night. There it is again. Things that keep popping up in your life, coming back. No matter how hard you try, it keeps coming back up. I don't know if anybody can relate to that, but I want to say to you today that sometimes just that rationalization of trying to figure things out is not good enough. And you thinking through things and applying your own solutions very often is not good enough. You need the real power of the Holy Spirit to move on that scene and deliver you from that suffering or from that situation or from that torment. Sometimes it's got to be something greater than you because no matter how hard you knock it, that enemy comes, pops back, right back up, right back up, right back up again. You need something above that which is the real power of the Holy Spirit. And I say, Lord, give us that real demonstration of the Holy Spirit today. 
Not sometime up the road, but today. And whatever your need is today, I believe that, hey, you might have tried knocking that thing at that memory or that experience or something, knocking it, knocking it. And every time you turn around, here it is again. Let's say, Lord Jesus, come in real power. Let's say that in your own mind. Lord, come in a real way and deliver me from the suffering of the suffering of the sufferers. Because this is either true or it's not true. It's either right or it's not right. There's a real power that is able to deliver. I believe that today. Can I go a little bit further here? <coughs> now, excuse me. Let me see if I can get past here. <coughs> Brother Bam says, now, this lady's a stranger. I do not know you. We are strangers. But I notice around you, you have a phobia of something about wintertime. I don't know what's wrong with a person who doesn't like winter. I come alive. When wintertime comes, he said, you resent it. You get scared when wintertime comes. It makes you all upset. And it makes you constipated. And you can't eat right. Who knew? Who knew that some physical conditions are actually caused by things that go on right here, where the greatest battle is, and actually percolate down to your physical body? That is true. And Brother Bram said, I curse that devil in the name of Jesus Christ. Go home. It won't bother you no more. It has left you. Amen. God bless you. There are changes of seasons that affect people. There are changes in life's seasons that affect people. People are, will say, well, I liked it when we were back here. I liked when we were doing this. I liked when all our kids were young. And they weren't driving. And I liked it when, uh, you know, we had uh, a better job situation. Or I like this, or I like that. And a lot of times we'll spend our time, we can spend our time right here looking back to something. And they have, in a sense, resented the change. And they can get stuck right there. And in this case here, Brother Bam said, it makes you all upset. And a person may be not really making the connections now as to why there is upset in their life. But let's look at it this way. Let's stand back a little bit and look at the bigger picture. Here it is. Likewise, Romans 8. You all know this scripture. Romans 8. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. That infirmities there means weakness or a want of strength. I would say that if I asked for a show of hands, 90% of you would probably raise your hand and say, there's an issue in my life that I seem to have a want or a lack of strength. That I try to overcome and I can't overcome. And it might be shyness, or it might be a memory, or it might be a habit, or it might be something that I uh, lean into. Nobody here knows it. Nobody else would probably be aware of it at all or think it of you. But there are things in your life, I believe, that there in many people's lives, let's say it this way, that are there. And if you could get over them, you would. But to me, it's a reminder that the Holy Spirit wants to deliver you from that, that he might receive the glory. And you might realize that, you know what? The only way to achieve peace is through him, not through Google, not through my own efforts here, and not, toward, not in rationalizing things or justifying things. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. 
Imagine. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Let me say it this way. Let me explain it this way. I believe, I believe that God the Father, I believe he has the master key. Now, you might have a key, but he's got the master key. Now, <clears throat> your key, let's just say it this way. I was listening to a story of a fellow who was uh, in a hotel, and uh, he had to fly from one city to another and stay at another hotel because he was speaking in two different places. And uh, let's say he was staying at the Marriott, and uh, he was using his card to swipe in order to get into the room. And uh, then he went off, uh, got on the plane, went to another city, and had uh, he checked into another hotel. And he went to the, he had to go up all, all these floors, had all of his luggage, and he was at the door, and he was swiping away, swiping away, swiping away. And he was pretty upset because it was just a red light bleep, 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 red light bleep, and couldn't, no way could he get it in. You know, rubbed the card as best he could, <sighs> shined it, and trying to swipe, couldn't get in. And he went down and he said, this key doesn't work for my room. And the guy looked at it and he said, that's because it's a Marriott key and you're not in the Marriott. You have to have the right key for the system you're in. Right? You have to have the right key for the system you're in. Yes, it's a room key, but it's not in the right system. Now, let me tell you something, and I appreciate you letting me tell you. When you're in God's system, when you're in God's system, and you have a key in his system, it'll open whatever you need to have open. It'll work, right? The card will work. Until it doesn't work. And there are some situations in your life that you really probably can't figure out. Isn't that true? We've all got the promises. You've all got a Bible. We've all read them here this morning. And they're for us, right? But there are times when you, you're doing what you should be doing and you know to be doing and searching your life and praying and seeking God, but it just doesn't work. It's almost like the disciples when they asked Jesus, how come we couldn't cast the spirit out of this epileptic child, right? But you know what? There are times when he comes along with the master key and with the master key, he can open anything. He's got a master key. And you know what? He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Because many times you don't even know what to pray for. That's what that says. There are times when you have a want of strength. You have a lack of strength. And you need to seek him because what you're doing isn't working. What you're doing isn't making the door open. And so therefore we need to call upon him because he's got the master key. He's able to make every door open. But we've got to make sure, listen, we've got to make sure that we're in the right system. We've got to make sure that we're doing things his way. Or let's say, we've got to make sure that we're doing things according to his system, not our system. Are we okay? And one of the first ways to check that is to find out whether you are in obedience to God's word. If there's some way that we can uh, find out if we are in obedience to his word. So, let's read on. Romans eight twenty nine. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And who he justified, he's also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Let me, let me uh, picture it for a different way for you. Romans 8, 26, 27 are right there on top. 28 is right in the middle. So between 
between the intercession of the Holy Spirit and the eventual outcome, we know that all things work together for him, for them that love God, to them are the called according to his purpose. In the seasons where, and in the experiences where, we don't even know how to pray. Because you might be praying to marry a certain person, and that person might not be the will of God for you. Right? You can be pushing for something that isn't God's will. And all of a sudden you find yourself with a whole bunch of resistance and a whole bunch of feelings that, my goodness, this doesn't feel right or doesn't sound right, or everyone's against it or whatever else. And that can be the devil hindering you, but it can also be the Holy Spirit trying to warn you, don't go any further with this particular thing. Right? And many times we, uh, like, like Paul writes here, that uh, he's the one who searches the hearts and he knows the mind of the Spirit. But I will tell you this, that, that we know all things work together for good because the footsteps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. So between what God knows about your eventual destiny and what we're going through in life, our attitude should be, hey, listen, God's going to work it all out. And you know what? He's going to receive the glory for this. And I'm just going to put my trust in him because I'm one of them who are called according to his purpose. And I know somehow this is going to work out for the betterment of me in the long run. Is that all right? All right. So let's go down a little bit further. Sister, Brother Bam said you have inward troubles. He said, yes, it's a nervous condition, a mental nervousness. And you feel like you're going to lose your mind. He said, upset, aren't you? And it works on you. Worst time is the evening. Sometimes you sit in a chair. And you're doing something when you are praying, too. I believe you're washing dishes. And he said when you were praying. And when you heard about the meeting, you prayed and that you'd get a card. And you came tonight and your card was called. And he said, now do you believe that God will hear my prayer? Ask God. Now do you believe if it would be, uh, if I would tell you then, that it le- if, I, if I would tell you then that it left you, you would know that what I told you was the truth because I told you the truth on this side. So in other words, I told you what went on over here on that side. And he says, then we know that it's the truth because I'm telling you what's over on this side over here. Only God could know those things. And he said, and everything seems like a phobia to you. And he said, you get scared at things and it isn't normal. Everybody has Certain kinds of fears, right? Everybody has little phobias and phobias that don't, they don't hinder my daily life. Like some people have a phobia of spiders. And uh, all you have to do is just say the word. Or you have to uh, put a rubber spider down. Or uh, write the words on a piece of paper. And some people are scared to death of spiders. Period. Right? They get locked up. Uh, other people, doesn't bother them at all. Uh, it's just the way it is. But somebody may have a, uh, they may have a reservation about something else, you know, having to speak in public. Um, if, I, if I ask for a show of hands, how many of you would like to take over and finish the sermon here this morning? Uh, I'd probably get a few calls to respond to that one, because a lot of people don't, it's the greatest phobia that there is of the fear of speaking in public here. Now, I guess I'm wired a little bit differently, because I get nervous if I'm not asked to speak in public. But anyway, Brother Bam says you get scared of things and it isn't normal. He said you're wanting to get well. Now here's what, I want you just to stop for a moment here. It's normal for us to have, you know, reservations about things. But when, when it goes beyond the normal and it becomes something that is occupying your mind all the time, it becomes something that becomes a fear to you. 
It might be a, a fear of rejection because that's one of the greatest causes of anxiety for people. It may be causing you to worry about things. I remember Corey Ten Boom once said that worry doesn't empty tomorrow of sorrows. It empties today of strength. Worry does not, it does not empty tomorrow of sorrow. But it rather, it robs today of strength. And sometimes people can worry about things and just continue to worry. You know, remember, here, uh, remember hearing Brother Branham talk about that little mouse one time that he said was near the gardeners of Egypt. And he said, how silly it would be for that mouse to say, well, I better eat sparingly because I don't want to run out of grain. And these huge, huge mountains of grain that were stored up there by Joseph, he said, how silly. The mouse could go ahead and help himself. It would take a thousand lifetimes for him to uh, use up all of that stuff. Remember here, Brother Man saying that? Or he says, if you toss a fish in the sea, and uh, he said, you know, better be careful. I don't want to drink too much. I don't want to use too much because it will all be used up. He said, how ridiculous would that be? And what I read this week was that uh, years ago, long before Brother Branham lived, Spurgeon uh, had that revelation himself. And he wrote it down, and, and uh, a lot of his sermons are recorded and written down uh, today. Spurgeon was a really nervous, anxious person. That's just the way he was. And Brother Branham said a lot of times spiritual people are nervous. And Spurgeon was just one of those people and had a real uh, nervousness about his own ministry and whether uh, they'd have the resources to minister to the people of London because he had a big church. And then it got bigger and bigger because uh, he was a very gifted man and did a lot of good for the people of London. And he was worried constantly about having enough to be able to run that ministry to minister to all the people. And one day, he said he was down by the river, uh, uh, the, the Thames River in the middle of London, and he said God spoke to him. And he repeated this in service. And he said, I realized, he said, eat away, little mouse, at the grain, and swim away, little fish. God will provide all we need and more. He realized, he said, how silly is it for a mouse to think that way? How silly is it for me to think that way? That my resources are going to run out because he said, God is an inexhaustible fountain of life. And Brother Branham took that phrase and he repeated it for us here. It would be silly for you to put a fish in the sea and say, Now be careful, don't eat too much. That's ridiculous. Go ahead and swim away, little fish, and eat all you want, little mouse. He said, God will provide all that we have need of. How many knows that he's still Jehovah Jireh today? The best thing you do is cast your lot on him. Cast your lot. Give it to him. The thing you're assigned to do, give it to him. And watch what he does with it. He has unlimited resources. But remember now, you gotta swipe the key in his system, right? And Brother Ma'am said, now, you're wanting to get well. And I'm going to ask Jesus now to heal you. I believe that he'll do it. You've had quite a struggle in life anyhow. He said, I don't have to say it because this is alive here. But he said, you know what I'm speaking of. Then he goes on and prays for the woman and he says, Our Heavenly Father, by your spirit, look down through the stream of time. You're so lovely and kind. And our sister standing here, bound by the oppression of Satan. Foul spirits, physically, nothing wrong with her. Physically, nothing going on. Foul spirits have tried to put pride on her. Now he alludes to something, he doesn't say it, but he alludes to something in the previous screen there. He says, you know what we're talking about. But he said, foul spirits have tried to put pride upon her, but thou art here to remove this curse of the enemy. Help me, dear God, this duel of faith against the enemy. And I was trying to get her in the right mental attitude, because the right mental attitude towards any promise of God will bring it to pass. 
Have you ever said to your wife, you really look nice today? And she says, well, I don't. My hair is not really going right. And I don't like these shoes. And my goodness, this dress fit me last year. But it doesn't seem to fit me this year. Your wife can probably blow a compliment right out of the skies faster than you can make yourself a cup of Keurig coffee. And there are a lot of times when you can sit there in service and hear a promise of God and say, well, you know what, that isn't, that's not going to work for me. I tried that. And, you know, it'll work for Brother Branham, it'll work for Brother Barry and other people around. I hope they get it, but that's not going to work for me. And you know what you can do? You can blow a promise of God right out of the sky by your own attitude, thinking that that's not going to work for me. Now, let me tell you something. That promise was put there for you. Jesus paid the price that you could avail of that promise. He put it in place here so that we could enjoy the peace and the healing and the deliverance and the, uh, you know, the, uh, the right sense of, uh, of worship and, and to be able to confess and be free. God put all of that in place just for you. He didn't put it in place for every other believer, but not you. He put it in place for every believer. Don't blow that promise out of the sky. By your wrong attitude, but rather let's say, Lord, if that's a promise of God and you made it and you made it towards me, then Lord, you know I'm a sinner, you know I'm a, uh, I make lots of mistakes and you know that, uh, you know I, I've fallen flat on my face in different times here, but if you made the promise for me and Brother Bram saying, Brother Barry saying that you made it for me, then Lord, I'm gonna embrace that in faith. And listen, sometimes God only wants you to open your mind to the possibility that God can do it. Despite the circumstances, God can actually do it. Now, last screen here for that one. And every seed will bring forth of its kind. If you need salvation, healing, here's the seed in the Word. The Word of God is a seed. Put it in your heart. Don't dig it up every morning to see if it sprouted. Put it in there and leave it there. It's God's business to bring forth the harvest. I said it's God's business to bring forth the harvest. You just leave it there, water it by faith, and praise God every day, thanking God for it. It's kind of like that. Uh, there was a general one time. This is a true story. It's recorded that there was a, a general, uh, part of Napoleon's army, who was marching across Austria. And Napoleon's army was basically invincible. I mean, they just went like a bulldozer across Europe. And uh, they took every town and village in their pathway because they were conquering lands for Napoleon. And Napoleon was a master general and knew how to fight battles and so forth. So when these armies showed up, people just quaked in fear. And most times they didn't uh, retaliate. They, They just capitulated. They just said, hey, you know, take our town. That's mostly what they did. In Austria, there was a little town. I don't know what the name of it was, but uh, this general came through. He had 18,000 soldiers who were on uh, uh, part of Napoleon's army. And they were coming through, and somebody in the village saw uh, this army coming through from a while back and ran to the town and said, hey, they're on their way. They're about a, a couple of miles away. And so the town elders got together and had a meeting. And they said, uh, they said, listen, uh, they're coming. And like every other town, the best thing we can do is surrender. Because if we don't, they're just going to uh, blitz our town and it's going to be, uh, you know, totally destroyed and we won't have anything. So we're better off surrendering. The old vicar was sitting in the town hall meeting and he just raised his hand at the end of it. And he said, elders, he said, today is Easter Sunday. And he said, I believe this, that we should all go down to the church. And he said, hold service because it's Easter Sunday and celebrate the resurrection And give this need to God and see what he does. 
So the elders said, well, what have we got to lose? So they all, they said, all right, everybody in town, we're going to go to church. And they all went to the cathedral and they got in there and they rang the bell for the start of church. And everybody was to come. The people in the village knew what that meant. Everybody was going to come to the uh, church for service there. And that was good. They felt it was going to be their last one. Over the hills, the, the Napoleon's army heard that and they said, uh-oh, the Austrian army has showed up. And they're ringing the bell to assemble all the troops. They said, we better get out of here. And they took off and went around the village. Just what if you have nothing to lose? What if? What if your situation you feel like can't change? What if you gave it to God? What if you opened your mind and said, Lord, I'm going to give it to you? And I'm just going to trust you with it. Let me tell you, it's God's business to bring forth the harvest. You're not asked to produce what you can't produce. You're not asked to produce what you can't produce. So what do I do? Let's look at some solutions here, what you can do. If you're in a spot where uh, you struggle with, and it doesn't have to be anxiety, but if you have that, here are some things that you could possibly look at. I don't have all the solutions. I'm not a professional. I'm not a doctor. I'm not trying to replace uh, your doctor or anything closely uh, remotely connected to that. I'm only giving you the whole counsel of God. I'm only giving you what I know to be true and right. Okay? So, hold on and look, look at this, look at this with me here and see what you can take from this and apply in your own life. Is that alright? Alright, let's do this together. Now, here's the statement I made earlier. If, if, it wasn't meant for you to have peace here. If you did, you'd get customized to this world. God don't want you to be customized to this world. But He doesn't stop there. Because God doesn't want you just to be satisfied with the cosmos. He wants you to rest in him. Lord, if I don't find rest in the world, let me find rest in you. Come to him. Number one, come to him. Say it with me. Come to him. Come to him. And then you have peace. Only when you come to Christ do you have real peace. Come to him. That's his first piece of advice. Brother Branham says, now, are you the patient lady? First thing, it's nervous trouble, isn't it? You're upset. And one of the main things you need is Jesus Christ. Will you accept? I mean, he look, that's amazing that he can look at somebody in the prayer line, know what their physical problem is or their emotional problem, but know also that they're an unbeliever. He's not, he's not making this up. He, know, he knows that this woman has never accepted Christ. And he says, well, you accept him as your personal savior right now. And he prays, Father, have mercy on the woman. God, we realize it's Satan that's done this. In other words, in her unprotected state, Satan has come and antagonized this woman here and give her that upset. He said, but she's somehow, she's come into the building tonight and come here to be healed. Stop. I don't want to say that if you've got a struggle in your life, it's because you're not born again. I'm not saying that at all. Because many are the afflictions of the righteous. Okay? And now, you're actually more of a target when you're converted than when you were before. And now, but when you're not converted, you don't have any defenses whatsoever, right? And now, Satan, you had a right to hold her. Keep this in your mind. You had a right to hold her as long as she was a sinner. But you don't have any right now. Come out of the woman in the name of Jesus Christ. You had a right to hold her, but now you don't have a right because somebody greater is holding on to her. So now you've got to leave because we're going to tell you what to do now. And that's the different approach here. 
Now, lady, you're saved now. You've accepted him as your savior. You've been having all kinds of trouble, mental trouble. Satan has set you to take you into an insane institution, a nervous breakdown. And you can go home. He says, now you can go home and be well and serve God all your life reverently. So now your life has changed. Now your path is corrected here. Now, if God will let me know what was wrong with you, he'll let me know what will be and what was for you. You understand what he's saying here? God told me what was, and God now is telling you what will. He said, that has to be God. But you've done the greatest thing that you've ever done in your life when you got to the platform, not because I was here, but because you accepted Jesus Christ. So your first line of defense is go to him, turn to him, surrender to him, give your life to him. And if you've never done that, you ought to do that. Everybody should, should make that their first priority. And then Brother Branham says, in letting off the pressure, he says, now you say, well, I wonder, Brother Branham. He said, don't wonder. You just let the pressure off. Commit your case to God and go on as if it was all over. Hello? Commit your case to God and go on as if it was all over. Sometimes people need to, I've, I've advised people, get a piece of paper and write out your prayer request. Write out your cause. Write out your concern that you have. And write it out with all the details that you need to put in it. Make sure you put it down all on paper there. Some people are, are more comfortable writing. I am. And, and I often tell people, like, to, to, you know, get a, a piece of journal paper or something and just write out that request and give it to God and just let it go. Get it outside of you. Get it all in detail and commit your case to go on and then go on as if it was all over. Take that piece of paper. Don't, don't write it for anybody else to read it, but write it and then throw it in the fire or write it and burn it or write it and flush it down the toilet. Or do whatever you need to do. But now we're going to give that request over to God. We're going to say, Lord, here it is. We're not going to own this anymore. We're going to go on as if it was all over. I may feel the symptoms tomorrow. And I may feel bad uh, overnight. But let me tell you something. I've committed my case to God. And I'm going to go on as if it's all over. Don't build up the pressure. Let's off the pressure. I'm so worried, Brother Branham. I don't know. He says, let off the pressure. Cast your cares on him, for he careth for you. Don't you worry about your cares. That's his business. I said, don't you worry about your cares. Oh, well, hold on. They're my cares. Not anymore. Once you surrender them to him and you cast your cares upon him, they're now his cares. That's his business. And you know what he's got that you don't have? He's got a master key. He can open any door. You can only open the door that's allotted to you, but he can open any door. He can open doors, and you don't even know what's behind those doors. The important thing is that you know him, and you give it to him. It's just like the big dog and the little dog. The big dog and the little dog were outside of a door. (coughs) And they could talk. In this story, they could talk. And the big dog says to the little dog, he says, you're just a little dog. You're just a little runt. He says, I bet you I can do something you can't do. And little dog says, what's that? Big dog says, because he's a big dog. He says, I can open up this door. And little dog says, really? And big dog says, yeah, I can open up this door. And uh, he says, uh, bet you you can't open up this door. And little dog says, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you go first? So the big dog says, all right. And he starts growling and he goes up to the door, puts both hands on the door frame like that. And takes the knob in his mouth. 
big German shepherd. And he's chewing on that knob, trying to turn it one way or the other because he knows somehow that opening the door is connected to that knob. And finally, finally, after about three minutes, he turns that thing and it clicks and the door opens. And the big dog looks at the little dog and he says, top that. So the big dog closed the door. And the little dog just went like this. He said, okay. He just went like this. He scratched the door. And the person inside opened up the door. And the little dog said, doesn't matter how big you are. He says, I just know the person inside. You might be the littlest among us here. You might not have a ministry. You might not have a voice. You might not have a role. But let me tell you, if you know the one inside... It's really all you need to know. Your labor cease when you know him that's on the inside. You just reach out to him. That's what Brother Bram's telling us here. There comes a point where worrying about your own cares is going to be detrimental to you. Because if you could fix them, you would. But you can't. So they continue to be cares. And you cannot change them. And so therefore, he says, give that to God. And don't build up pressure. He's a God who takes our pressures. The second thing, Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret of the Most High, we all know this, this scripture, shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God, in him will I trust. This is what David believed. Surely he will deliver thee from the snare or the trap of the fowler who's a setter of traps, And from the noisome pestilence. When the COVID virus hit, everybody quoted this scripture. And it's a good scripture to quote. Because we certainly did have to wrestle with the pestilence. But the truth is also embedded here that he will deliver you from that. He will see you through that. Satan's job is to lay traps. He's a setter of traps. And he will deliver thee from the trap of the one who sets traps. And from the noisome pestilence. So trust him, no matter what your circumstances are. Let's go a little further in the same psalm. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, and the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Because he has set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. And he shall call me, and this is God speaking now, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Somebody say amen. Amen. This is God now speaking through David because he got it figured out. No. Because he, he went to the right church. No. Because he set his love upon me. That's your job. Your job is not to worry about it and worry about it and worry about it and hit it like that pop-up balloon and then turn around and it's still there. A lot of times that's what we do. We hit it and it's back, it's back again. The thing to do, I think, is, is found in this verse. Set your love upon him and therefore will I deliver him. Are we Okay. In other words, this is not left in your control. This is not left in your power. This is not, God doesn't say, I'll give him what he needs to fight it. 
I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. Your strength is in your revelation. Your strength is in your love, making sure you love the right thing. Your strength is in your relationship with Christ. Not because you're a minister or a missionary or a singer or a deacon or whatever else. Your strength is in knowing him that's on the other side of the door. And he will call upon me and I will answer him. Well, let me ask you this. What do you got to lose? I will be with him in trouble. In the trouble you're personally feeling today, someone else is there with you. Do you believe that? God don't intend you to be sick. God made you in his likeness. He wants you to be well. He's done everything he can to keep you well. And Satan's against you. God has done everything he can. He gave his own life. Shed his own blood. Died a sinner's death on your behalf. That you might be well. God put vaccines like through men like Dr. Salk and uh, other uh, remedies that are in the earth. And we thank God for that. Thank God for doctors and medicines and uh, the facilities that we have and the knowledge and expertise that we have. And, and the, the ability to, uh, you know, have an x-ray and look on the inside and uh, see what my bones are doing. And then, uh, you know, to have other machines to look at other parts to see what they're doing or what they're not doing. What needs to go, what needs to stay, what needs to be fixed. The dentist always wants to take x-rays of my teeth. And they'll say, you know, it's been 30 years since you've had an x-ray. Because I refuse them all the time. Not because I can't afford them or anything, because it's simply out of fear. And I, so I said, well, I don't think I need them. So finally one day, one visit, they talked me into doing x-rays and they said, yeah, you better, uh, you better do it. You know, you're, you're pushing the, the limit, you know. How many candles were on the last cake you had, birthday cake you had? And they said, you better, you better take it. So I said, okay, you better do it. And as soon as I saw the x-ray, I, I looked at the doctor and I said, looks good to me. It looks really good. That's fine. That's, uh, no problem. Let's move on. And uh, it, it's, a lot of it is because that's the way I wanted to see it. Right? I didn't want to have the consequences of it. And she said, yeah, you know what? It looks pretty good. But, and don't you hate that? There's a little problem. That was there. Nonetheless, now, he wants you to be well. This is what Brother Ram tells us here. He's done everything he can to keep you well, but Satan's against you. Satan is against you. And as long as you're in this body, and as long as you're on this earth, and as long as we have the stresses around us that we have, which multiply seemingly every day, even if you're not a part of it, even if you're not near it, we hear about it, and we hear about it in detail, we hear about it over and over again, Every half hour on the news, we hear it again and again and again and again and again and again. We're bombarded with it. And a lot of that is just there to wear down the saints of the Most High God. Philippians chapter 4. Here's our text. Now, I, I really like this. This is a cornerstone verse for me. This is one of the ones that I go to if I'm in a cabin in the mountains by myself. This is a verse that I'll go to. I'm never in a cabin in the mountains by myself. But if I was ever in a cabin in the mountains by myself, I'd go to this verse. Because I go to it all the time. And it says, be careful for nothing. That word careful there means anxious. And that word in its original context means to strangle. 
Don't be strangled by your worry. But in everything, in everything, now what, just stay with me now for a moment here. Wake up your neighbor and, and, and just follow this verse here. In everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In everything, say it with me, everything. Physical, mental, spiritual, financial, emotional, marital, everything. Open your mind to the possibility that God can. This carefulness or this anxiousness is not, is not the normal concerns that everyone has every day. God made mothers to be concerned about things, lots of things. And there's, it's kind of a, in a sense, it's kind of a normal concern that we have. Uh, you know, do my kids have enough lunch? Did I give them enough money for recess? Did I do this, uh, if, if they still do that? And, uh, you know, uh, will we have enough money to cover our monthly bills and all the rest? They're, they're kind of normal things that, that we all think about and that we should think about. Matter of fact, life is never without tension. Life is never without anxiousness. Will I ever get married? Will I... Uh, should I ask this girl to marry me? And, you know, there's, there's concerns that we have. There's thoughts uh, that we have that are intense. And all of us go through that, right? Paul is not talking about that. Paul is talking about the overwhelming, attacking kind of anxiousness that tries to bind a person and causes them not to think normally, causes them to fear abnormally. That's the kind of anxiousness he's talking about. In other words, when it comes to the place where it becomes overwhelming for you, here's what you need to do. Here's the remedy, all right? In everything, by prayer and supplication, and the word supplication is asking, with thanksgiving. So we got to do this prayerfully, and we have to do it asking God, not telling God, but asking God with thanksgiving. Lord, here's the thing that I'm anxious about. Here's the thing that I want to give to you. And Paul tells us the attitude with which we should come to God. And then he says this, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, believe it or not, this verse 7 here is a military instruction. It's a term used by soldiers. Let me highlight it for you. When the cavalry went west, the first thing they had to do was build themselves a garrison. Because the garrison is where they could defend themselves from attackers. The garrison is where they could store supplies. The garrison would be where they would put the women and children. It was a place of safety. And this word garrison here is exactly the phrase that Paul is using, just like the soldiers did when they went out west there. The peace of God. Now notice what doesn't happen here. God is not asking you to build a fort. God is not asking you to construct defenses. God is not asking you to help in any, excuse me, in any way. He's saying that the peace of God is actually going to keep your mind and your heart 
through Christ. He is not saying, Old Testament and New Testament, he's not saying, here's what you need to build. He says, you do this. Make your petitions known unto God with prayer, supplication, asking, with thanksgiving. Give it to God. Lay it at his feet. Now watch what I do. I, that's, that's what it says. The peace of God will actually keep your heart and mind. There are some of you, and I don't say this lightly, but there are some of you that would love to have somebody look after your mind because your mind runs all over the place. And for some people, your mind runs to the same thing all the time, all the time, all the time. We can get fixated on things all the time, all the time. Lord, I'm going to give that to you. And how I'm going to give it to you is I'm going to not let that overtake me. But by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, I'm going to make this petition known unto you. And I'm going to watch the peace of God build a fort around my mind to protect me from the darts of the enemy. I'm going to actually ask that that God, you take this and watch his builders go into action so that he builds a defense around my heart and my mind so the enemy has no way in. The enemy has no access. The enemy is incapable then of taking me over because, you know what? I'm behind the walls. I'm behind the solid walls. Now look, some people try to build their own walls, right? Some people will build a wall of alcohol or drugs or they'll build a wall of, uh, you know, all kinds of activities or they'll get immersed in movies or books or music or, (coughs) excuse me, whatever else. (coughs) They'll get involved in illicit activities, all kinds of things they'll get involved in. Because they're trying to build a fort. They're trying to prevent that pain from coming. They're trying to prevent that enemy from coming against them. And they'll try to build their own defenses. Let me ask you this. How's that going? For a lot of people, it isn't going real well. To me, what a believer does, we go back to Scripture. And the Scripture says that by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, we make our petitions known unto God, and the peace of God takes over. You know why? Because he's the Prince of Peace. To me, that's a beautiful verse. It's a very practical verse. Let me give you another one. The fourth thing. Verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. He's not an intolerant high priest. He's not a critical high priest. He's not an unforgiving high priest. Come on, somebody say amen. He's not any of that. He's a merciful. That's the first word Paul uses there. When you come to him as your high priest, you know what he extends first is mercy. And he's faithful. He said, I'd never leave you nor forsake you. He's merciful and he's faithful in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the people. And you know what? He knows what it's like. I've been involved with different people and talked to them about things. And one particular uh, sister that uh, I know really, really suffers bad. And when she gets into that valley, when she gets into that place, she says over and over again, no one's able to help me. No one's standing with me. No one, I, no one can do anything. And I, I, I always, I, when I hear that, I always stop her and I say, you know what? You're confessing absolutely the wrong thing. Your confession needs to change. And that's where we've got to start. 
Your confession needs to change. Because number one, he said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. He's a merciful and faithful high priest. Don't say what's not true. Say what the scripture says about you. And he says, besides him, I said, your husband's right here. And besides them two, I'm right here. And I'm listening to this. And so what it is is that you're, you're motivated out of your pain to say things that are not true. Let's replace that with things that are true. This is not mind over matter. This is scripture. Brother Bram said to a woman, nervousness is a horrible thing. Keeps you torn up all the time because you're born nervous. Now, I talked with Brother Bram's, Brother Bram's family about this because I wanted to know the backstory, And I wanted to know how uh, that Brother Bram dealt with this. And obviously, there's lots of things here in these conversations which are very, very brief in prayer lines. We're getting what's on tape. Brother Bram held private interviews with people. And then when it came to personal issues like birth control and different things, he said, I'll see you later on that. He says, we'll talk separately on that privately. And Brother Branham had conversations in his house among his family about things. They're not gospel, obviously, but I kind of wanted to know what Brother Branham's approach to all of this kind of stuff was. And they told me, they said Brother Branham had a very balanced view of this. He said he treated it just like anything else that people came to him about. But he said there were certain things about uh, nervousness and things like that, strains within families, he said, that are there. And in some cases, he said to his children, he said, watch that family. He said they have a strain that runs through them. Now, let me tell you something. That may be true, and I believe that what Brother Branham saw was true, but I believe this, and Brother Branham says this many, many times, that our God is greater than your family tree. The tree of life is greater than the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so therefore, I believe that God can deliver anyone. I believe God is a healer. It doesn't matter what your father and your mother did. It doesn't matter what your siblings do. Let me tell you, God's a healer. So Brother Ram wasn't saying that God can't heal that person. Although Brother Ram says we pray for everyone like they are going to be healed, but we know they're not. But let me tell you something. If God's dealing in a person's life, all things are possible with God. We believe that. Brother Bram said, now, all your life you've been nervous, and I, I see you even as a schoolgirl nervous. Nothing can help it. Everybody says, get next to yourself, but that don't do no good. He said, there's something that frightens you, but Jesus Christ is here to take it from you. Do you, under what he, you understand what he says? In, in the previous sentence, nothing can help it. She's probably taken, uh, you know, some doctor's advice perhaps, and, you know, that's okay. And he's done this, done that, read books and everything else. And everybody says, well, snap out of it. Get next to yourself. That don't do no good. He said, there's something that frightens you. Jesus Christ is here to take it from you. And there, that's why I say, there are times when you can smack that sickness, you can smack that feeling as hard as you want, and you turn around and it's right there again. That's when you need the intervention of a higher power. And sometimes you've got to become more focused and you had to become more disciplined in your thinking. You had to become a little bit more fasting and praying type in order to deal with this because it's going to take something more than your personal discipline and your personal power. Some of you are shaking your heads. You know this is true. It's got to be a supernatural intervention somehow. Lord, I need you. 
God's not, let me tell you, he's a merciful high priest. He's not ashamed when you come to him and say, Lord, I need you. I'm desperate. I've tried this, tried that, tried everything. Everybody, every, every, everybody, everything, everything, everybody told me I tried. But Lord, here I am. God doesn't say, well, my goodness, why didn't you come earlier? He doesn't say that. He's a merciful high priest. How many would agree he's a merciful high priest? All I want you to do is to have the confidence to open your mind to the possibility that God can. And have the faith to believe that God is able to deliver. God, as I lay my hand upon this young lady here in the prime of life, I curse this affliction on her body. She wants to serve you, Lord, and serve you in freedom. And I take it away from her in the name of Jesus Christ. May it go and never return again for God's glory. He doesn't stop there. Watch what he says to her. This is a prophet's advice. I love this. Now don't fear, young lady. Will you do as I tell you now? When you come up here, there was a dark shadow around you, and it's gone now. You can't help it. It comes to you. But look now. The unclean spirit's gone from you. If she looked around, it wouldn't see any different. But that's gone, because he's looking in another dimension. He walks, Satan walks in dry places. He'll try to return again. But you just take my word as God's prophet. Don't you never have a frown on your face. Sing. All day long, and praise God no matter how you feel or what takes place. Sorry, folks, this is a 20th century prophet speaking to a 20th century bride. No one else in the world is really interested in reading this stuff but us. We love it. Still applies. You should sing all day long, praise God, no matter how you feel or what takes place. I underline that. Hopefully someone will take note of that in a special way. I think this is good to put on your fridge or your mirror or put in your dashboard. Sing all day long and praise God no matter how you feel or what takes place. I watch my boys, they put pictures of their girl on the dashboard until it faded into just white paper. They'd leave it up there anyway because it reminded them of you know who. This would be worth you writing down on a piece of paper, put it on your dashboard Sing all day long and praise God no matter how you feel or what takes place. Even if your team loses. Even if I lose my job. Even if my health is threatened. No matter what takes place. Because you know what? You're supposed to cast your cares upon him. Then they're his cares. They're not yours. You have to open your mind to the possibility that God can. And God will. He said it will leave you and won't come no more. Now go do that, you believe with all your heart. You say, but Brother Barry, it's already gone. Brother Bram said that spirit around you is gone, that darkness is gone. He said, yeah, but he'll try to come back. Because that's the scripture, isn't it? When, when a spirit is cast out, he'll come back with seven others and try to make things worse. So Brother Bram's telling her, it'll leave you and won't come no more. He says, when you do that, it'll leave and won't come no more. Now go do that and believe with all your heart. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I love that. Can I give you another one? Is it all right? Uh, It won't be long. Luke chapter 18, and he spoke a parable to them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying, there was in the the city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded men. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto him and said, Avenge me of my adversary. This is the woman who was persistent. About this verse, Martin Luther said, Aim your cannon of prayer at the gates of heaven and keep firing until somebody opens up. Brother Bram says, knock, not just say, Lord, walk away. Lord, I need help. 
He said, no, you just keep standing there and knocking. Lord, I'm wanting in. Open up to me. That's it. That's it. Like the widow and the unjust judge. Just keep knocking constantly. She was determined. Faith caught something. And she was persistent with it. She had to get there. That's all there was to it. No matter if he turned her down. Had to get there. She was persistent. Brother Bram said, cry for your needs. That's God's provided way. Cry for your needs. That's God's provided way. There are some things that are taken away instantly. Some things that God will just wipe out real quickly. Kind of like Pharaoh's army, right? God didn't linger uh, in that process. He didn't give them all a virus and have it spread one to the other and they all die one by one. No, he didn't do that. He just kind of said, we're going to take care of this all now. One false swoop, bang, they're all dead. Or Dathan and Korah and his crowd, bang, all dead. God does that. And God can still do that. Do you believe God can still do that? A lot of times we refer to that as a miracle, that God can instantly change the situation and turn it around. I believe that God can do that. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. But there are other times when things take a longer time. The Chinese tell this parable among their, uh, among their children. It's just this simple little story that a man came along uh, and saw an old man, and he was taking buckets of rocks, and he was picking up rocks off the ground and dumping them over the hill. And... The man said to the old Chinese man, he said, what are you doing? And he said, well, he said, this little mountain here is shadowing my garden. I only got a little small garden, but it's shadowing my garden. And he says, I'm taking the rocks out of here, and, and, and I'm moving this mountain. I'm going to throw it over the side of the cliff. And the man kind of laughed. He said, how silly, how silly are you? He said, to think that you could actually move a mountain. And the Chinese man looked at him, and he said, I might not be so silly, He said, because I will take a bucket of rocks until I die. And he says, then my son will inherit this farm, and he'll take the buckets of rocks, and he'll move them in his lifetime. And then his son will inherit this farm, and they'll move it. And he said, here's what we know is true. The mountain will never grow. So every rock we take makes this mountain smaller, even if I don't see it in my lifetime. Maybe he wasn't so stupid. God may not move in an instant. He may. But you know what? God may want you to cry for your needs and come to him and continue to come and continue to seek him. And over time, that thing is probably not going to get any bigger. So the more we chip away at it, the more we put defenses against it, the more that... You know, we commit those needs to God, like uh, Philippians chapter 4 tells us here to do, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, make your petitions known unto God. The more we give to him, a bucket of stones goes, and a bucket of stones goes, and a bucket of stones. Because God can heal quickly, or God can heal a stone at a time. Sometimes things in your life took a long time to build up. And sometimes that's what it takes to take them apart. There's a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. Sometimes, I, you know, I was talking with a family, and they have a, 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 a girl, you know, is, and, and is considered pretty uh, rebellious in her way. And, and I said, you know, tell me how things went on in your family. Tell me how things were, this is not any of you here, and you don't know the person, but I, I said, you know, tell me how uh, things were corrected when they went wrong. What, what, what kind of corrections did you put in place? 
And I said, man, over time, let me, let me say this to you. <clears throat> this was a girl uh, raised in a message family. And uh, without having a real life-changing experience with God, and I'm not saying she's not born again, but without having a life, real life-changing experience with God, parents sometimes, if they have a legalistic view of things, will try to make that child be in the message. They'll try to make them act like they're in the message, try to make them dress like they're in the message, try to make them interested in the message, because that's what they really want that child to be. And one day, I asked the parents, I said, let me ask you about your own experience. I said, do you find it difficult to live the Christian life? And they said, yeah, it's challenging to live a Christian life in a very unchristian world. And I said, and you have the Holy Ghost. I said, for you to live the Christian life is not an easy thing. For someone without a real baptism of the Holy Spirit, man, it's going to be a pretty tough thing. And I said, you're wanting that person to conform to your idea of what they should be instead of encouraging them to have their own relationship with God. And I said, you're only going to turn that child into a rebel. You're only going to drive that child away because you can't make that child love God. You can't make that child follow the word. He said, God said, I'll take that stony heart out of them and I'll put a heart of flesh in there and cause them to walk in my statutes. And I said, it's much, much, much better for the Holy Spirit to inspire that person to follow the word than it is for you parents to make sure they follow the word or I'll punish the daylights out of you. I said, you're going to find that when they turn 18, they're going to be looking for the high road. And it clicked. It clicked. It turned that whole household around. The first one, look at the the scripture verse reference, Matthew chapter 6. This is early up front in Jesus' earthly ministry. He says this in a teaching form to those people that were listening to him on the Mount of Olives. He said, I want you to listen to this. This is what he says. Take no thought. And the word thought here is the important word. And now you see it underlined here because he uses it over and over again. Don't become anxious. Don't become bothered about things that you you shouldn't be bothered about. There are things that I'm going to look after. And there are things that you can do, but don't you get involved in the things I'm going to do. Do the things that I'm telling you you should do. In other words, I'm going to set priorities. Here they are. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. It dawned on me a little while ago. You know, I, I, take, I, I, used, I used to take a lot of vitamins and supplements and things like that. Whatever was good, whatever I heard was good, you know, because it helped me live longer. Then I realized, in the grand scheme of things, if I live another two minutes longer because I take this supplement, is that really worth the cost? Do I want to stay on this earth another extra two minutes? Well, not really. So we'll let the supplements go. And then, anyway, I needed a brain supplement. I, tell, I still take some. That's why when I tell people my age, my boys look at me and they say, Dad, you don't look a day over 64. Jesus says, Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, 
nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? You know, what, you know why Jesus could say this? He said, they don't gather in the barns, but somehow or another, there's a bigger barn somewhere out of which your heavenly Father draws resources to give to all of these creatures on the earth. Don't worry about this life because I've got something else in another dimension that's going to help sustain you. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? A cubit is from this distance from right here to right here. Which of you, just by taking thought, thinking about it, concentrating on it, can grow one cubit? Why take ye thought for raiment, for clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. And they, <coughs> excuse me, they toil not, neither do they spin. Jesus said, <clears throat> sorry, for the rest, of the rest of the verse here, and I can't get to that, can't get to the rest of that verse. In Matthew chapter 6, he tells them at the, the bottom line of the chapter is, here's what you need to do. Don't worry about things that I'll take care of. After all of these things do the Gentiles seek. But here's what I want you to do. You seek first the kingdom of heaven. And it's righteousness. And he said, and all the rest of these things will be added unto you. So you don't need to seek after things I'm going to provide. That would be a silly use of your resources. Take your resources and seek first the kingdom. Make sure you know the person behind the door. Make sure you know the person who's the supplier. That's what you need to know. As long as you know him and you're in a relationship with him. He's committed to supplying all of these things because, hey, he knows that you have to live on this earth. He knows you need to have gas in your car and clothes on your back and so forth. He knows that uh, there are natural requirements in life. And so therefore, don't worry about things that you don't need to worry about. Worry about the one thing that's going to make the difference in your life, and that is seeking first the kingdom of God. Brother Branham says, the message is called Simeon and Anna. Someone praying, he said it's a man. He's got trouble with nerves. He can't sleep, and he gets up. He says, you'll sleep tonight. Jesus Christ makes you well. Will you do me a favor? He said, seeing that God has healed you, the lady sitting next to you, the angel of the Lord is over her. Stand up, lady. You've suffered with an oppression, regular mental depression. Mister, lay your hands over on each other. And in the name of Jesus Christ, I condemn that spirit. Both of them there. And then he says, sorry, there's the rest of the verse there in Matthew chapter 6. So Brother Bram's looking at, at, at people there and the, the nervousness and the, and the problems that they face. Many of them are just very, in a sense, very practical things that they've done. And Satan gets in and takes advantage of that and just makes life worse. He's good at that. He's really good at that. Let me see if I can draw to a close here. I want to leave you with a little statement in a scripture. Brother Branham said, if they'd only realize, he's talking about the people of God, if they'd only realize who they are, he said, you're sons and daughters of God, heirs of the kingdom. Right now, he says, you're kings. Claim your legal rights. Don't let Satan press anything on you. You're of God. He has got no rights to hold you. The first thing to make sure is that you're one of his. When you're one of his, you have the right to enforce your claim. You have a standing with God. You have a standing against the enemy. You can say to God, Lord, I cast my lot before you. When you're sure of that relationship with Christ, when you know you're one of his and you're a child of God, 
believe that my God shall supply all of my needs in Christ Jesus. He heals the troubled mind. He heals the broken heart. He binds up their wounds. He's a problem solver. He's a chain breaker. He's a deliverer the same as he always was. If our musicians would just slip up to the front here, if you don't mind. He heals the broken in heart. He's able to pour oil on troubled waters. There's not a thing often we can do about troubled waters. You, there's not a, I've lived next to the ocean. I grew up next to the ocean all my early years. Nothing I ever did was able to calm the seas around me. It seemed like it just took a force of nature to do that. But God says, I'll come and I'll pour oil upon those troubled waters. And now the oil becomes heavier than the waves and it'll stay. It'll, be, it'll stay right in the place that I put it there. And very often that's what we need to believe. is simply that if we can open our mind to the possibility that God can, even if I can't. If the medicine I take can't, I believe that God can. If the fears that I have just won't seem to go away, there's someone here who can take them away. If I've thrown all of my resources at something and nothing has changed, I believe, I believe that our God can take control if we invite him in as a merciful and high priest. I believe that God has total control. I believe that. God's always in control. Brother Branham assured us of that. But God doesn't always take control in our lives. He doesn't, when you, when you spin that dial on Instagram and you're going down, da, 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 you know, and you get, get going on that, God doesn't say, okay, that's it. God has control, but God doesn't always take control. When we eat too much, it's because God doesn't come down and say, all right, that's it. That's enough calories for one day. We've got free moral agency, don't we? There are some things that we had to make choices about. But we know that when we give it to God and we surrender it to God, he has the resources, he has the power to heal the brokenhearted. He has the power to heal a troubled mind. He has the power to settle your anxious spirit. God has that power. And I believe that sometimes the thing that we need to do is just to, like, like David said, and David had to do one time, is just to cast his lot before God and say, you've assigned me to do this. I want to be a provider. I, want to, I need a job or I need a, a change in my situation here. I'm just going to cast my lot before you here. And I'm not sure what I should do. And I, I've struggled with this for a long time. I'm just going to give it to you and just say, Lord, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm asking you, Lord, to take these parts of me that don't seem to work right anymore, put them together in a way that does. Put them together in a way that makes, helps me live in, in a way that's pleasing to you. And if there's something in my heart or something in my life that I need to ask forgiveness for, something I need to make right with somebody else, Lord, show me that. And give me the courage to walk in that. I don't want to live in denial. I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to live wrestling with things that I know didn't come from you. So, Lord, I'm casting this before you. Peter comes right along in his advice to us and says, cast your cares upon him because he cares for us.
Don't be afraid to do that. You've got to open your mind to the possibility that when we give it to him right, with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, thanking God you have a resource. As I read to you out of that magazine, that article that I uh, was sent this week, people feel, the, the therapist said people feel lonely, they feel disconnected, they feel, uh, you know, they're spitting out, everything is spitting out of control, they have no connection, they have no part with anybody. Hey, we should be a people who are thankful. I'm thankful I got my family. I'm thankful I got my church family. Thankful I got the word. I'm thankful I got my relationship with Christ. I'm thankful that God sent a prophet. I'm thankful that I have communion with God. I'm thank you that my sins are gone. So when we come with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, thanksgiving is the easy part because we thank God for the life we live. Thank God for the standards he's put in my life. Thank God for the uh, power that he gives to the church. Thank God for the uh, hope that we have. Thank God for the marriage supper up the road. And thank God for the millennium up the road. And thank God for new heavens and new earth up the road. Thank God for eternal life. Hey, thankfulness is the easy part. Really, thankfulness is the easy part. Make your petitions known unto him with prayer, thanksgiving, supplication. And watch the peace of God go to work like a bunch of cavalry soldiers and build a wall around your mind and your heart through Christ Jesus. He said, I'd do that. Not you. He said, I'd do that. Some of you, some of you might have jumped over that wall. Some of you might have got out through a crack in the wall or whatever else. Whatever in the analogy, whatever else. Lord, help me get back behind the fortifications that you build. The protections you put in place for us. Lord, help me get there. Because that's the place of peace. That's the place of peace. And every person with a troubled mind just wants to have peace. They want to have peace. I need you, Lord. Let's stand. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. And so and I, I lift my, my hand and bow my knee and worship at your I need you, Lord, right now. Oh, we need you, Lord, and we need you, Lord, right now. And bow our knees 
Deliverance is here. Salvation is here. Peace is here. It's all here because he's here. Our job is not to produce the healing. Our job is to open the mind to the possibility that God can. Whatever the need is. It does not have to be an emotional thing. It can be a physical need, whatever it is. I just want to challenge you to Reach out to the God that we serve because all of, these, all of these scriptures that I've given to you are not just words on paper. To me, that's a, this is a living word. And we serve a living God. Not a historical God, but a living God. And he's alive today the same as he ever was. And it's for us to reach out and draw from him. Let's sing it here this morning. Healing is here.
I lift my eyes where my help comes from. I look to you, my rock, my healer. I trust in you. So I reach my hands. So I reach my hands to the heaven. I lift my eyes where my help comes from. And I look to you, my rock, my healer. I trust in you. Sing it like this. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Oh, and I receive it. Yes, Jesus. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Oh, Jesus is here. Oh, now I believe it. So I reach my hands. So I reach my hands to the heavens. I lift my eyes where my help comes from. I look to you, my rock, my healer. I trust in you again now. So I reach my hands to the heavens. I lift my eyes where my help comes from. I look to you, my rock, my healer. I trust in you. Let's sing the bridge. Just follow me. Sickness can't stay here any longer. Your perfect love is casting out fear. You are the God. You are the God of all power. And it is your will that my life be healed. Again now, sing it again. Sickness can't stay here any longer. Your perfect love is casting out fear. You are the God. You are the God of all power. And it is your will that my life be healed. Once again, sickness. Sickness can't stay here any longer. Oh, your perfect love is casting out fear. You 
Freedom is here. Jesus is here. 
apple of my eye. My strength, my shield, and you alone does my spirit heal. Oh, you alone are my heart's desire, and I long to worship. Let's sing this song together just very reverently. I worship you, Almighty God. I worship you, Almighty God. There is none like you. And I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I want to do. I give you praise, for you are my Sing it to him now. Almighty God, just let him touch your heart. There is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I want to do, I give you praise, for you are my righteousness, oh, I worship you, almighty God. Yes, there is none like you. Could we sing it again? Let's just worship Him. I worship you, Almighty God. For there is none like you. I worship you, O Prince of Peace. That is what I want to do. Oh, I give you 
worship you, Almighty God. There is none like you. Very softly. Like you, I worship you, oh Prince of Peace. That is what I want to do. I my righteousness Oh, I worship you Almighty God There is none like you And this is my Desire to honor you, and Lord, with all of my heart, I worship you, and all I have. Within me, I give you praise and all that I adore is in you. Oh Lord, I give. My heart, I give you my soul more, and I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your My heart, yes, I give you my soul. Lord, give ourselves a heart. I'll thank you, Lord Jesus. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake. Lord, our heads together this morning in prayer, every head bowed. And as we pray, maybe you'd want to slip your hand up and just say, Lord, if I could get rid of this thing, if I could overcome it, Lord, I sure would. But I'm looking to you. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads and our hearts together, Lord, Lord, 
We serve a God who's all-powerful and a God who's all-knowing and a God who is merciful and faithful, faithful to your word, whatever you've said, whatever you've promised. Lord, we believe you'll stay with them. And Lord Jesus, today I commit every soul in your hands, Lord, every hand that's raised, people who are listening online. Lord Jesus, you're able to calm our anxious hearts. You're able, Lord Jesus, to settle our minds. You're able, Lord, to take away the frustrations that we feel. Lord, if we've opened ourselves to the wrong thing, we want to make those things right, Lord, and ask forgiveness. Lord Jesus, we want to use what you've given to us, Lord. But, Father, there are times when we need to go a step higher and ask you to come on the scene with that master card, Lord, and open every door. We're depending on that, Lord. And in Jesus' name, we bind our faith together now and believe, Lord. We open our hearts to the possibility that you can and you will. We open our hearts, Lord, to your presence moving in the places, Lord, dark places that maybe we've kept hidden. Lord, I pray you do a great work. May there be many testimonies, Lord, of your, your mercy and your deliverance, the freedom, Lord, that your children should experience. Father, we want to walk in light. We want to walk in peace. We want to walk in love, and we want to have the joy of the Lord restored in our lives. Heal every sick person, Lord. We place them into your hands. And Lord, may the peace of God, may it guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Protect us, Lord, I pray. We live in a world that's full of enemies. We live in a world, Lord, that's full of arrows of destruction. Lord, you're greater than any enemy we can face. In Jesus' name now, we place the people in your care. And we'll give you thanks. Because giving thanks is the easy part. We give thanks in Jesus' name. I give myself away. Yes, I give myself away. So you can use me, give myself away. Give myself away so you can use me. Here I am. Sing it as you go this morning. If you want to stay and linger, sure can. God bless you this morning. Life is in your hands Lord, I'm longing to see your desires revealed in me So give myself away So you can use me, give myself away, away. so you can use me, take my heart.
I give myself to you. 